So how are you guys doing this morning? Did I already say that? Okay. Jim mentioned the Israeli elections. So it's, uh, it's interesting over there how it works. It's the parliament kind of thing, right? So in uh, the parliament election... Um, you have all the different parties, and then the parties get a number of seats based on the number of votes, and then the party with the highest number of votes gets to then try to build a coalition, and the coalition has to have a minimum of 61 members. Like There's 120 seats in parliament, so the coalition has to be made of 61 seats in order to be able to have a functioning government. So... You know, Netanyahu won with 30 seats, but that means he has to make friends with 31 more seats, right, in order to be able to, to do that. So if you look at, at the, uh, the way it works out, in order for him to make, like, he, he's sort of like, so, so let's say, like, right wing is all the way over here, like, hard right. So these guys are like, you know... Uh, completely against giving any land to the Palestinians for a Palestinian state. They're, they're very, uh, just real conservative in a certain way. And you have the hard left where they'd really like to see a peace deal with the Palestinians and, and this kind of stuff. So, so Netanyahu is probably like right here, sort of like center right, like in the middle there, you know, but more toward the right, but in the middle. And then you have the, uh, the other main guys who won, they were, they were sort of in the center left, they're not all the way over here, but they're like over here. So in order for Netanyahu to make 61 seats, what he's going to have to do is be friends with all the people way over here. And in order for these guys, because they have 24, and they could actually get 61, but they'd have to get all the people way over here. So what we're looking at is either a completely hard right government or a completely hard left government. And either one of those, I think, is the worst. The best would be a unity government between this 30 and this 24, but that's just not going to happen. <laughs> so, you know, um, that's my perspective. So you can pray for Israel. Just because Netanyahu won doesn't mean that... Because he, he basically has to offer these other guys something in order to get them into his coalition. So he might have 30 seats, but he has, he's got to make five partnerships. So he's got to give everybody something that they want in order to get them to stick with him. So he has to make one the Secretary of Defense. He's got to make one this or that. So it's actually pretty complicated. So just keep praying for that. We appreciate that. And uh, like Jim said, we're also heading back right after Easter, and we'd appreciate your prayers. We need to find a place to live. And, uh, you know, some other real practical needs and spiritual needs and all kinds of different things. So we appreciate you guys praying for us. I also would like to say thanks for, like my dad said, thanks for your prayers. It's been a pretty um, intense last few weeks with my grandmother getting sick, and I spent the night in the Atlanta airport a few times trying to get there and trying to get back, and, you know, it's just been a crazy, uh, crazy time. Planes delayed, you know, all kinds of different stuff happening, but, um, but it was really good to be there with her, and so in the beginning when I got there, you know, she was talking to me. I, uh, I had, she's, 
I don't know if anybody, has anybody here met her? Has any of you guys ever met her? Anyway, she's like a very, this is the kind of what lady she is. You call her up to say hi to her on the phone. You say, hi, Grandma, how's it going? Oh, good, how are you? Okay, I love you. Click. You, you know, like, that, that, it's like if she doesn't want to talk, which is most of the time, she just like hangs the phone up. You know what I mean? So she's not this kind of like real, like, you know, loving personality, which feels all warm all the time. You know, that just is not the way it was. And so, so I had, you know, I visited her a few times over the last few years and played some music for her in different places, and I never really thought she cared much about it. So I said, oh, I'm not going to worry about bringing my, air, my guitar through the airport and all that. It's just too much hassle. I'm just going to go out and visit. So then we get there. So then I get there, and I walk in, and I say, hey, Grandma, I came to see you through the ice and snow and everything, and she, and she started crying, and I've never seen anything like that in my life. And so then she goes, where's your guitar? And I go, what are you talking about? So, so, then, uh, so then we went over and we were able to rent a guitar from Guitar Center, thankfully, and uh, for very cheap. And we were, you know, played some music with her for a week and, and just saw God really working in her heart, I believe. And so that's a pretty special time to be there with her. And so thanks for your prayers for that. And uh, continue prayers for my grandfather, especially. You know, he's 85. He's got to figure out what he's going to do now. So um, that's a big question for him. So we're going to be uh, looking this morning. Let's see if this thing works. Oh, yeah. So we're going to be looking this form, at this passage this morning in Matthew 13. And if you want to open up to that, that would be great. <clears throat> So one beautiful Sunday morning, a visiting speaker announced to the congregation, my good people, I have here in my hands three sermons, a $1,000 sermon that lasts five minutes, a $500 sermon that lasts 15 minutes, and a $100 sermon that lasts a full hour. So now we'll take the collection and see which one I will deliver. <laughs> so let's bring the place for it. No. <laughs> Um, anyway, today we're going to talk about this passage here and about the one thing in, in our life that's worth more than anything else, you know, the one thing that we want more than any other thing. If I could have blank, you know, fill in the blank, then I would give up everything else to get it. And whatever that one thing is, will become the controlling factor in our life. It will direct, direct the rest of our lives. And so... Jesus spoke about this in two short parables in Matthew 13, 44 through 46. And let's read these. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And so, you see in these parables, Jesus speaking metaphorically, right? He's not, he's not talking about a real man who went and bought a real field. He's, he's talking about finding something of such worth, such high value and esteem that it's worth selling everything you have in order to purchase that. I will, I will give up everything in order to have this. And I want to point out that the man does it joyfully. It says, in his joy, he went and sold all he had. <clears throat> he knew that 
the end would be worth the sacrifice now, right? So, so you know, um, can you picture Jim saying to Annie, honey, we're selling our home, we're selling everything we've got so we can go buy this field. And she goes, well, you know, just don't sell my car. Sorry, it's already at the, you know. And, and then, you know, so, so, so then, so, but Jim's saying, it's going to be worth it. Just wait and see. Just trust me. It's going to be worth it, you know. And so <clears throat> the, uh, the author of Peter Pan, James Berry, he's credited as saying this. Dreams do come true if only we wish hard enough. You can have anything in life if you'll sacrifice everything else for it. And so our question this morning is what would be worth that kind of sacrifice? What would be worth giving up everything else for? And so how would you fill in this blank? I would give up everything if only I could have this. So this morning we're going to go through a a few different examples, kind of briefly go through these different kind of things. And really, all of these things I'm going to talk about are good. They're all good things in our life. But if they become the focus of our life, if they take all of the attention, if they, if they become the thing that dominates my heart, then I end up eventually unfulfilled and I'll regret the sacrifices I made in pursuit of those things. We always make sacrifices in our lives for what we think is important. And so, so whatever is at the center of our life demands sacrifice in other areas. And it will, you know, you can't do everything. You have, you have only a certain amount of energy, a certain amount of money, a certain amount of time. And so you, you sacrifice other areas for the things that you think are important. And so, so let's look at a few of these examples. The first thing that popped into most of your heads when I said, if I, I give up anything for this, well, you guys are all Christians, so you said Jesus, right? But... Most people would say money, right? I'll give up anything if I could have a billion dollars. Maybe that's not enough. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> give up anything if I could have a million dollars. And money is, like, important, right? Money's not important to you guys? Well, then, uh, <laughs> money's important, right? We need it. We need money. And so... You know, we trade in our lives, the way our society works today, we trade our best time and our best energy in order to get money. That's what we do. And so, um, it's important, and we have to be responsible and take care of our family and do the things that God called us to do in that way. But for some of us, the number, of, the number in our account sort of becomes the gauge of our personal well-being and our personal peace. Well, I have this certain amount of money, so I, you know, I, I feel good today. But then you see, well, the bank account's dipping a little bit, so then, you know, I, oh, man, I, you know. And, and so it's, there's this guy who wrote this. He said, for every step of the financial ladder you climb, you find people who are a step of ahead. And you're continuously trying to be more like them to keep up. And, you know, you will keep going, but you'll never feel successful at reaching what you're after if money is, becomes the goal of your life. I need to get more and more money because the odds are 7 billion to 1 that you'll be the richest person on earth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's just not going to happen. But, but you know, the other part of it is some of us have seen the bottom drop out of our life and we've run out of money. 
You know, we've seen a lot of, we've, we've seen financial difficulty, and we know from experience that our financial status can't be the source of our personal well-being. If that's the source of my personal well-being, then I'm not going to do well a lot of times because there's really not enough money most of the time, you know? And so, so you know, money. <clears throat> Some people are very competitive, and they have this drive to win at all costs, right? Winning is, like, comp- competition, I think, is something God gave us. I think it's fun to compete and see who's going to win, see who's stronger, you know. But sometimes the drive to win pushes us so far. I would, do up any- I would give up anything if I could only win, you know. Like, some of you remember the Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding thing, right? Doing illegal things to hurt other people in order that- so that I can win. Or my- maybe you just... You remember Russell Wilson from the uh, Super Bowl, who did not win. But what did he tweet? Like, right after that, he said, thank you, God, for the opportunity, and I will love you, O Lord, my strength. You know, so that's like a different kind of perspective, right? Um, Some of us have kids who are in sports, and the sports, like, they demand this kind of sacrifice kind of a thing where, okay, well, for this whole season, we're not going to do anything else but sports for our kids because, they, you know, that, that's, they, it's like this kind of sacrifice for that level. Some people get wrapped up in the idea of beauty, right? I would give up anything if I could be the most beautiful of them all. Who said that? Cinderella. Cinderella already was the most beautiful. <laughs> so, so, you know, listen. We need to care about our appearance, right? Even the Bible talks about caring about your appearance. And so, you know, some of you are walking or looking around going, uh, you know, you should take a shower, buddy. You know, to the guy next to you. But, but you know, we, we, God wants us to care about that. But, but at some point, we can become driven by some sort of definition of beauty or ideal that's, like, driven by lies. You know, in the movies, you see, like, these... Ladies who are it's cast as a 45-year-old woman. This is the 45-year-old woman role. But they fill it with a 30-year-old woman. So that, you know, then the guys who are 45 going, well, that's a 45-year-old woman in the movie. Why can't my wife look like that? And you go, well, that's not a real woman anyway. You know what I mean? Like that, she's like all, like half of her is like electronic anyway. So, so <clears throat> you know, me and my roommate in college, we used to joke all the time about, like, these, like, fake people in advertisements. Like, there is really no person named that. They just, like, sort of made them, you know. But, but if you, like, pursue, it doesn't matter how hard you seek that kind of ideal of beauty, eventually you're going to get older, and eventually, you know, you can't, you can't beat that eventually, you know. And, and so you get disappointed by that, you, you, and you know, some people will uh, destroy their relationships and spend all kinds of money, you know, sacrifice in other areas to try to win in that area, and it ends up being unsatisfying. For some people, it's friendship, right? <clears throat> being willing to do anything for a friend. And that kind of loyalty is, is something that we prize, right? We really want our friends to be loyal to us. But some of us, and I remember I was like this when I was a teenager, sometimes my friends would say, okay, you know, um, well, we need to do this, and it might have been a wrong thing to do. Maybe that wasn't the right, and I would, for my friends, be do something that was immoral, do something that was wrong. And so, 
we also just care so much about what other people think about us in a certain way, you know? Somebody makes an uncaring comment, and we spend like 37 years thinking about that comment, you know? And, and, and so, so some people say, oh, I'll give up anything to be accepted by this group of friends. Well, even when you get into that circle, you don't feel like you really belong half the time anyway, even though other people are looking at you like, well, I want to be in there with them, and you feel like you don't fit in anyway. You know, so that, that doesn't fulfill in the end. Then we have uh, entertainment. Some people really, really focus their life on entertainment. You know, like those people that, like, read the TMZ magazine all the time, and they uh, know what's happening with Brangelina and all, you know, whatever, I don't even know. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like living life vicariously through something else. Where people, like young, some young people I know play video games all the time, and they're like living their life through that character in a certain way, you know? And so, so you know, focusing so much on, on entertainment so that where I'm lo- losing my life where I am right now. <clears throat> For some people, it's romance. In Sunday school, they were teaching how God created everything, including human beings. And little Billy seemed especially intent when they told him how Eve was created out of one of Adam's ribs. And later in the week, his mother noticed him lying down as though he were ill, and he said, and she said, Billy, what's the matter? And little Billy replied, I have a pain in my side. I think I'm going to have a wife. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but... But really, God intended us to be in intimate relationships with people, right? That's how he built us. He built us for that special relationship. God's plan is really one plus one equals one. Husband, wife, one lifetime, right? That's what God's plan is, his desire is. The best, the best scenario is that. And so, but sometimes we're in this romance thing. We're like seeking this sort of sense of completion and fulfillment in another person that they weren't meant to give us, looking for this, for, for this kind of other person to fix us and fulfill this whole entire place that really they can't fill, you know? And so even in marriage, you have that, and, and um, you know, God, Adam said, whoa, man, you know, woman, yeah, this is like amazing. God created it. But in the end, and those of us who are married, we know this, that, that marriage oftentimes is a tool that God uses to break off the hard pieces inside of our hearts and our lives. It's something where he's using that to mold us and change us, you know? And so we all face difficulties in romance and marriage, you know? And uh, so one of the things we're going to do right now is just sing a song about that. Is that okay with you guys? Can you wait just a second? I'm going to have my wife come up, and we're going to sing this song. Um... It's, it's about being broken inside of marriage, right? So I think a lot of times we put, we grow up in our lives and have certain expectations about, about uh, this sort of fairy tale type thing, right? And even the guys have that, okay? <clears throat> Is that true or not? We have a certain idea that, you know, I really want my wife to be like this. I really have this kind of 
you know, I really want our relationship to be this way, this intimacy. And sometimes it is that, and sometimes it's not that. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we search for so much, and we want everything to be complete and perfect. But, Happily ever after. But it's not complete and perfect, you know. And so, so we're going to sing this song that this, this guy in uh, Casting Crowns wrote. It's a really great song called Broken Together. What do you think about when you look at me? I know we're not the fairy tale you dreamed we'd be. You wore the veil, you walked the aisle, you took my hand, and we dove into a mystery.
be complete, but could we just be broken together? If you can bring your shattered dreams, and I'll bring mine, could healing still be spoken and save us? The only way will last forever. The only way will last forever is broken together. Does that make sense? So God, so we have a desire for romance. We have a desire for that intimate relationship with people, with, with, with that other special person in our lives. But if that becomes the entire focus, then it becomes unfulfilling. And we actually ruin the relationships that we have with those close friends of ours and the, the intimate relationships we have. Another thing, people... People look for fulfillment is fun, you know. I want I, fun is my uh, be all end all, you know. I, I I'm not I'm not gonna do anything unless it's fun, and if it's not fun, I'm leaving, you know. So you know you know people like that. They can't have any kind of conversation with you unless they're making a joke, you know. And jokes are good, right? Jokes are fun. Joke, that's good. But you got to be able to talk seriously at a certain time, right? And so um, usually what happens is if we pursue fun so much, we end up hurting other people around us and destroying relationships and, and sacrificing other people uh, in order to have our fun, you know? Um, another thing people really get into is technology, right? I'll be so... I would be so happy. I would just be happy and fulfilled if only I could have this newest Apple Watch, you know? Um, but the problem is, in a month, it's out of date anyway, you know? Um, I love technology, and I'm really thankful for the ability to call my wife from the grocery store, right? Which one of these do you want? I don't know. Um, but honestly, one of the greatest, biggest fights we ever had was started because we were using phones in our bed, and, you know, we were like, you know, two people, like, sitting next to each other, going like this. Like, seriously? Like, you know, so, um, um, technology needs to be shut off sometimes. And it can't, it can't take the place of what's happening right here, right now. You know, right now I'm in front of you. And we're having a conversation face to face. And so if I'm keep, if I think of my technology as the portal to my real life, you know, hey man, come on over here and let's go do this. And you're, and you're over there and you're still looking at your phone and you go, okay, well, let's go over there and do that. And so you're not really anywhere in the end. And so another thing that people, people uh, care a lot about is their reputation, fame. Who knows who this guy is? Jimmy knows it. Yes, what's his name, though? 
side, that's right. That he, he has the video on YouTube with the most views in the world. Two and a quarter billion views. Billion. You know, like that's insane. And so, <clears throat> so like God commands us to care about our having, having a good reputation, right? He wants us to have a good reputation with people. But sometimes we twist that and we desire this kind of thing where everybody knows our name. And he, this, this happened for him by like a fluke. He wasn't like trying to be the most, you know, he, he's a goofy guy, but whatever. I'm not saying this specifically about him, but sometimes we have this desire Especially in, in my generation and younger, people will do crazy things in order to be famous. You know, just look on YouTube videos. There's all these people doing all this crazy stuff in order to have, like to be like, oh yeah, did you see my video? And then they hope it goes viral because they like took a banana and they put it on their head and they smashed it with a hammer. You know, like whatever, some crazy stuff. But um, but God wants us to care about our reputation, but. To sacrifice everything so people will know my name is something different. And so <clears throat> another thing that God gave us is food, right? We're gonna, can you smell that? Can everybody smell that? So we're downstairs making falafel right now for everyone. So we're going to make this great lunch for you. I hope you're going to stay and have one. If you don't know what a falafel is, it's like a it's Middle Eastern kind of, uh, it's, it's what we call Middle Eastern fast food, but it's actually pretty healthy for you in a certain way. And so um, it's, be- it's much better than, like, McDonald's or anything like that. Unless you really love McDonald's, like this picture. But, but you know, wh- where do I get the comfort in my heart? If I say, man, I feel depressed. I need, like, two Big Macs right now. You know? Like, is, is, where, where am I getting, like, the comfort for, for my life? And where, where you know, some people are, like, so consumed. Like, I, honestly, i got to be honest with you. I remember places I visit by what I ate there. You know, like, I, like, really, like, enjoy food. But it can't, be, it, it can't be a controlling factor in our life. God gave us food to enjoy, and we should enjoy it. But, but we got to be, you know, careful. And that's also in the reverse, right? We could also care about food so much in a certain way that we don't eat anything either, you know? Um, another thing is school. And school is important, Right? School is important. It's important to train your mind so that God can use you. And, you know, if you need to know how to use the abilities that God has given you so that you can, you can be used by him. But sometimes scholastic achievement can become the way we gain our personal value. Where we say, you know, like my wife, she got all A's all the way through. And then she got a B once and was completely... <laughs> Freaked out. <laughs> you see, she's still upset about it. No, but like we derive like a certain sense of value where we go, okay, you know, I'm going to achieve this much. And in some, in some families, that can be very, very high pressure. You know, I mean, especially in Asian families. Asian families have a lot of pressure to achieve scholastically. And so, you know, in, there's people, there's kids who commit suicide because they didn't get you know, an A, they got a B minus because it wasn't good enough for their family, you know? And so, so this kind of goal where my whole value comes from my achievement in school or maybe my work. And so, you know, a lot of our family names come from work, right? So uh, you have names like 
Archer, Baker, Cook, you know, you guys know people with these last names, Carpenter or Chapman. What? Smith. Smith. Chapman. Chapman means a, uh, like a merchant kind of a guy, somebody who would have this sort of like merchant business <clears throat> from Old English, which is not what I do, but that's where my name came from. But sometimes our identity is so wrapped up in our work, this is, becomes who we are so much that, that we leave other things behind and make sacrifices, you know, well, I don't care if they're not paying me. I'm going to be at work because this is my, you know, this is my job. This is what I do. I can't, and so I'm not at my kids, you know, events. I'm not, I'm not here or there because work is so important. It takes over my whole life. You know, this is my, this is my identity and my value comes from that. Some of us just have to work a lot just to pay the bills, you know. Like, that's, that's fine. But I, what I'm saying is, where am I getting my identity, my value from, you know? <clears throat> and so the other thing is church, right? I'm starting to get a little closer to home here. So let me say something. You should be volunteering. You should be serving in the church. If, the, if you call this church your home, then you should be doing something here. You should be helping in some way. That's just part of being in a church. That's what a church is. A church is a family of people, you know, trying to help each other out, praying for each other, growing together. It's not just, you know, coming and then be entertained by some crazy guy who shows some weird pictures, you know? Like, it's being together in, in, in the good times and the bad times. And so you should be connecting and serving together. In a lot of churches, they say this. They say that 10% of the people do 90% of the work. And that's not right, you know. It should, it should, we all should share the load together and get things done and, like Jim was saying, accomplish the goals that God has, has for, this, for this congregation, for this church. But sometimes I've seen this where, church, where people who, who serve in church or just go to church or whatever, they, they become so focused on being in the church all the time that they're not with their family, that, you know, they, they make all kinds of other sacrifices, they don't do a good job at work, they don't... They don't do it because they're so focused on serving at church. So they sacrifice other things that they shouldn't be sacrificing. Another thing would be family, right? Now, we have this kind of ideal, do anything for my family, you know? Don't mess with my family. I think that comes from, like, the mafia in our blood in Rhode Island, you know? Like, they say that to be a Rhode Islander, you have to be able to trace your your, uh, your lineage back to the Mayflower and to the mob. Is that true? No, I don't know. But <laughs> so I love Rhode Island. Don't get me wrong. So, so you know, but, but we ha- you know, our family, God, God created families. He wants us to have families that should be safe places where we can grow and serve together, you know. God... God wants us to become better disciples of Jesus inside of our families. And then he wants our families to be serving him and going out and accomplishing his mission. That's what he wants us to do with our families. And so, um, but sometimes we get sort of this unhealthy focus on family relationships. And, you know, this real sense of pride in my family and then we have all this pressure inside the family for other, these people to fulfill my needs, you know. And, you know, we relate to each other based on what we need instead of trying to grow in Christ together. And uh, 
you know, sometimes we have so, you know, so, so we have this like, we don't want to have so much pride in our family that we don't want to deal with problems in the family, some abusive relationships, other things like that. If we focus too intensely and have, you know, if the family is, you know, the highest, highest thing, then that can lead to a lot of problems. So, um, what about Jesus? What did Jesus say? So keep your finger where I said before, where we looked before in Matthew 14, and flip back a couple pages to Matthew 10. <clears throat> Jesus said in verse 37, Matthew 10, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. But isn't he asking a little too much here, you say? Isn't that just insane, you know? And what gives him the right, first of all, to even ask for so much from us? I mean, he's really, this is like a radical statement. If you read that and go, oh, okay, that's another Bible verse, you're like, you're not reading it properly. Like, this is insane what he's saying. Um, you know, there's an old saying that says this. Never ask someone to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. Right? Have you heard that before? And so... Let's flip back now to Matthew 14 and look again at that parable we read in the beginning. <clears throat> That's verses, uh, hold on one second. Matthew 13, I'm sorry. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. And it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. So what's this parable actually talking about? What's the field? Who, can, who, can, who knows what the field is? What's the field? The field is not heaven. Good guess, though. So. so there's another, another parable about the seeds, right? Where he was throwing this, the, the guy's throwing the seeds out in different kinds of soil, and so... There's some other parables where, anyway, where it talks about the field, and the field is the world, okay? And when a man found the treasure hidden in the field, he hid it, and then sold all he had to buy the field. So what treasure is hidden in the field? What, what's the treasure hidden in the world? It's you and me, you know? God, God sees so much value in you. Jesus saw so much value in you and I, that he was willing to completely give up his divine power and submit himself to abuse and torture so that you and I could be forgiven and redeemed, right? So, so God views you as his treasure, his workmanship. His, he made you and he wants a relationship with you, an intimate relationship with you. And he, he gave up everything in order to get that. I can picture this you know, conversation Jesus says, you know, Dad, it's really a bummer that this relationship is broken with people, the people we made. Is there any way that we can get back our relationship with those people? Yes, son, but it will cost you everything. I know, Dad, but it will be totally worth it. 
And so Jesus came and he, he said, the, this relationship with these people is worth more than anything to me. And so he came and he, he sacrificed everything so that he could have that relationship with you. And so he doesn't ask us to do anything that he did not do himself. And so my question is this for us this morning. <clears throat> does, does your relationship with Jesus define and direct the other aspects of your life? You're, you are worth more than anything to him. So is he worth more than anything else to you? And that's easy to say. Oh, yeah, sure. You know? But when we actually start looking at it, you see, when Jesus is in the center of our life, then everything else, everything else sort of gets affected by that. Does that make sense? So if Jesus is the center of my life, then the way I relate to my money will be different than if money's at the center of my life. If Jesus is at the center of my life, then the way I relate to achievement in sports and winning will be different than if Jesus is not the center of my life because he has teaching that changes the way I think about that. If Jesus is at the center of my life, then the way I relate to my family will be different than if family is the center of my life. And it will be healthier and it will be better the way I relate to them. Does that make sense? So, <clears throat> so Jesus really bring, brings balance to all these other areas. If, if we surrender and make him the center in every area. Now the problem is that as time goes by in our walk with Jesus, sometimes these other things start to creep in and kind of take that area that he, that the center area, that, that he, the place where he belongs. And we don't really even notice it. It starts to happen, and, you know, well, uh, you know, <clears throat> Louis Giglio talks about following the trails in our life. So like a hunter following the tracks of the prey, right? So we're going to follow the trail to find out where it leads. And so he says, if you, you, can, you can follow the, tra the trail of your time, how do you spend most of the hours of your day, the, of your affections, what you care most about, what relationships you nurture, your energy, what you work at and play hardest at, where, where your bank statement, your money, where your bank statement indicates where about where your money is going, and your allegiance, what you're most, most loyal to. You know, you follow these things and you see what, what's in the center, what, where, am I, where is everything, I, where am I really investing? And, so, I have this question. Do, are you making sacrifices in these other areas in your life in your pursuit of Jesus? Are you sacrificing anything to follow him? If Jesus is at the center, it will be obvious in other areas. You know, it will. And so, um, some of us have gotten to a point where, okay, there's a certain level of sacrifice that I've been making for years now. And I can point it out and say, okay, well, I've been making these kind of sacrifices. But we kind of stalled there. We didn't go any further. We, we, well, okay, this is the sacrifice I've been willing to make, and I've been willing to make this sacrifice, and I've been willing to do this, but this area and this area I'm not sacrificing. I'm, you know, these are, these are, I'm comfortable here. Well, maybe God wants to take you a little further. You know, in your pursuit of him, maybe there's a little more 
that you need to give up. Let's finish up here by looking at Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 11 Chapter 11 speaks about great men and women of faith, right? All these different people through history that had great faith. And the people who have, who have gone on before us. And they're described here as a great cloud of witnesses. The, the people who have gone on before us, these people of faith. And so it says in verse 1, chapter 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, remember that before? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So a runner says, talks about here about running, you know, the race set before us. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. A runner cannot afford any extra weight, either physically or mentally, you know. A runner has to focus. He has to know what he's doing. He can't have all this other stuff happening. And this image of, an, of a runner is just another way of asking this question. You know, what are we running toward? What's, what's our goal? What's the center of our life? What, what is dominating my heart? And so, here it says, throw off useless weight, right? Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You notice that there's a difference there? It's not just talking about sin. Like, of course, you want to get rid of sin in your life. Sin slows you down in your race, you know? When, when, you, when you go against God's law and sin, it... It slows you down. You stumble. You know, you can't keep up the pace because you sin. But there's other things that aren't sin that just slow us down, that we don't need, you know? Useless weight, things that hinder us. Then it says, run with perseverance. Keep keep our eyes ahead and not getting distracted, but focusing, continuing on on that path. And... Fixing our eyes on Jesus, right? We, this is my friend Hootie, actually. And he, he's a guy, he lives in Israel, and he, um, he runs ultra marathons, you know, like 100K. And so, you know, you're talking about starting at like 3 in the morning and running all the way through till like 9 at night, basically. And, <laughs> and I don't know how he does it because I can't run for more than 10 minutes without, you know, falling over. But, but, uh, he, you know, he doesn't bring anything extra that he can't, that he doesn't need at all. And so, so my challenge for you this morning, I think, is obvious. <clears throat> Put Jesus first in your life. Get rid of everything that is detracting, everything that is distracting, and everything that's entangling you. You know, you don't have time for that. We don't have a lot, <clears throat> we don't have a lot of time on this earth to waste. You know, we don't, we don't have any, we, we have things that need to be done. And these other, 
these other things that are just distracting us, detracting from what our goals are. Our relationship with Jesus is so important that we don't want anything to get in the way of that, you know? And we want to have things of eternal value in our life. So, um, so focus, my, my challenge is focus so intently on Jesus that he permeates and defines and, dire- and directs all the other areas of your life, that he would permeate every area of your life, that he would direct every area of your life, that he would become the definition of who you are. You know? So um, I'd like the worship team to come on up here now. And, you know, as they come forward, just think about this. Is Jesus number one in my life? Do I love him first and most? Has anything crept in and taken his place? Has he been pushed to the sideline by anything? Has, Has anything marginalized him? Has anything pushed him out of the place where he belongs? Is there anything... Is there any area of sacrifice that he's been asking for me to make that I have not made because I've been holding back? And so um, he wants to take us deeper. He wants to take us further. And so as we, you know, as we give these things to him, um, we're going to see the fruit of that. It's going to be worth it. The, the joy set before us, there, there is a great joy and getting, getting rid of this stuff, because it's really not fulfilling anyway. So, um, as we sing, just think about those things, and, and if something is really in your mind that you want to, that, that God is putting into your heart, please come up and pray with somebody, you know? Pray with somebody sitting next to you. Pray with, have somebody pray for you, because one of the things that brings out what God's doing in our heart is when we actually say it to somebody else. You know, we can have that in there and God might be speaking to you. But one of the things that actually starts it moving in your real life is when you actually say it. And so it's important to say those kind of things to somebody and um, and just pray about it together. So um, let's sing.